Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we focus on birth and healing. We bring you a poem from our own Nina Serrano called Welcoming Immigrant Children. We also bring a conversation hosted by Aurora Lopez with birth workers here in the Bay Area that are fighting to create a more just, healthy, and grounded birthing experience for all mothers, particularly people of color. We feature the music of Maria Jose Montijo and bring you a calendar of upcoming events. All this and much more. Stay tuned. Welcome, immigrant children. Bienvenidos. We are deeply sorry that our tax dollars, controlled by corporate elites, drove you from your family and your homeland. We open our hearts, our arms, our nurseries, our schools, our playgrounds, our sports fields, our youth programs, our after-school programs for your healthy development for your growing minds, for your creative spirits. Welcome, children. May you find safe beds, affectionate adults to guide you, nutritious food, toys and tools to stretch your imagination. Children are born to be happy. May you fulfill your dreams. On today's La Rosa Chronicles, we'll be turning over to Aurora Lopez, who is a Chicana mother who is from Oakland, who has her own project, Semillas of Love. She is rooted in traditional Mexican medicine and offers mama-centered, family-centered, gentle support, coaching, and guidance. Through her project, Semilla of Love, you can find her on Instagram, looking up Semillas of Love. And she's going to speak with some incredible birth workers here in the Bay and highlight some of the issues facing people through the birthing process and some wonderful opportunities for people to reclaim their birthing experience. I'm going to turn it over to Aurora. She is going to lead this conversation for us. Bienvenidos a Crónicas de la Raza. Welcome to La Raza Chronicles. On tonight's program, we are going to speak about the birth process, about the many challenges women face when they try to get care and support for themselves and their babies. We're also going to focus on the incredible work that is happening to connect women to resources. This conversation will be posted by Aurora Lopez, who is a doula and has been really taking a lot of interest and passion into this work. And I'm going to turn it over to her and she is going to be in conversation with some leaders and pioneers in this field in the Bay. Thank you so much, Aurora, for digging into this important topic. 
Thank you, Julieta, and thank you to our listeners. We are so excited to everyone tuning in to La Raza Chronicles. I'm honored to be here to really shed some light on really what it means to live here as a woman or as a birthing person and to talk about the high hospitalization of birth and to talk a little bit about just the maternal health crisis facing our communities, facing brown folks, facing black folks everyone, people of color. We have a really high C-section rate and it's really detrimental to our communities of color. So today we want to talk a little bit with some of the women and um, just birth workers that are really trying to change the narrative and bring back some justice to our bodies and our minds and our spirits. So with us, we have Andrea Ruizquez. Welcome to the show. Thank you. We are so excited to have you. I want to share with our listeners just briefly a little bit about you and some of the awesome work that you've been doing. So Andrea Ruizquez is a dear friend of mine. She's also a queer Chicana partera who has a thriving home birth midwifery practice here in Oakland, California. She's been involved in birth work for 18 plus years and did a lot of her birth work in El Paso in one of the really great birth centers called Maternidad de la Luz. She's delivered over 750 babies out of hospital births, and she's an expert in natural childbirth. She's passionate about supporting families of color and really around unpacking the spiritual and physical health benefits of what it means to birth at home. She's also an upcoming filmmaker. I'm so excited for your film, Andrea. And it's called Decolonizing Your Birth, showing what uninterrupted birth looks like outside of an institution. And I am also so happy to share that I was one of Andrea's mamas and had two of my little ones at home. So I'm excited to have you here, Andrea. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I'm here with my little son, Feliciano, who's eight months. So you might hear him in the background making some baby noises. Yay. Hey, Feliciano. <laughs> um, we also are here with another amazing mujer, Angela Raquel Aguilar, who's also a really great friend of mine. She's a longtime student, mother, and health worker with a passion for learning and teaching others around sexual and reproductive health care justice. She's also um, really interested in self-healing and healing our community. She's a full-spectrum traditional birth worker and does a lot of work to support our women around their moon time and menstruation, miscarriage, abortion, labor, birth, and parenting. She's also really incorporated curanderismo into her practice to really unpack um, what does it mean to do ancestral indigenous healing and I'm so excited for her to join us with her practice with Nueva Luz Birth and Family Care. So thank you, Angela, for joining us. Thank you, Aurora. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. So to get us started, and again, thank you to our host here, Julieta, for allowing this conversation to take place the first time ever at La Raza Chronicles. We want to really talk about honoring El Dia de la Partera. It took place um, in May, and also it was the month to shed some light and awareness around maternal health. So what a more opportune time than now to really think about how do we carry that out Todo el año, no nomás en mayo, ¿verdad? Con eso, we wanted to just take a moment to, to get to hear each of your stories and what brought you into this work. Why partera? Why curandula? Why, why this work? So tell us more about it. 
This is Andrea. My grandma was a midwife, was a partera for her community. My grandma Delfinia, and she, you know, if someone was having a baby in her community, everyone just went to her, and she knew all about herbs and, you know, all the skills that a midwife has. She, she had. Yeah. So I, I would, my mom would tell me stories about going to birth with her, and it always just sounded really beautiful. And so when I realized that you could be a, a midwife in today's society, I was like, that's my job. I want to be that. That's so beautiful. So you felt like this was something you were born into. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. So thank you to your grandmother for bringing you to us. I'm going to um, ask Angela to share with us. Tell us what brought you into this work. So I gave birth to my first child nine years ago in a hospital. And you know, by chance, I found this amazing doula, Jenny Luna. <laughs> Just want to give her a shout out. And I, I really believe that with her help and um, the help of my partner that you know, I was able to come out of that hospital birth not so bad, <laughs> actually. I think it could have been a lot worse. And I realized that we need more people supporting pregnant people. The way that Jenny was holding my family, I felt like that's not something I had ever seen or experienced before. And so I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And once I really started recognizing how the numbers of women that were giving birth in hospital, especially black and brown women, are treated not very well. It made me, gave me even more of a desire, passion, calling to do this work to support other pregnant folks. And yeah, um, I have another baby and I decided to give birth at home with Andrea. Andrea was also my partera. And I was able to see that the midwifery or, or the partera practice was actually so much more different. Um, and I really... I feel like my calling is to be part of this movement to bring birth back to to our gente, to our community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's really powerful to hear stories like that, and I think um, a lot of us can relate to knowing someone or, you know, just experiencing it ourselves. And shout-out to Jenny mm-hmm. also. <laughs> So with that, I want to just, there's this concept, right, that folks are talking about partera and doula, and there's these terms that get thrown out, you know, and so we want to take a moment to get some foundational definitions, right? So maybe Andrea, right, Mm -hmm. as our partera here in the room, we want to honor and recognize your work, and tell us a little bit more about how you describe, how you define being a partera. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, a partera is someone, usually a woman, in, in your community. And when you're pregnant, you reach out to her and you start building a relationship with her. And she teaches you about your body. She helps you to understand what's going to happen during labor. She teaches you about herbs, things that are nourishing and going to help you have the healthiest pregnancy possible. She also knows what, what complications could arise and helps you look out for them. So it's this whole relationship that you're building with her. Yeah, also she uses, a partera traditionally uses like Mexican ways of healing. So like you work with the reboso, like helping her stretch and adjust her bones and things like that. Also, we help her with the cuarentena. So keeping the 40 days after birth a sacred time and caring for her in her home during that time. And different ways of healing with her that are more about spirituality and just not making sure that, you know, her body is healthy and the baby's healthy. It's more about her spiritual and emotional well-being as well. 
Thank you. That was really, really um, a great definition I want to use. <laughs> so, Angela, maybe you can tell us more around what is a doula or just what, what's the definition that you work with and how you communicate to folks as compared to a partera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way that we define doula, birth worker, traditional birth worker, is someone who is there with the pregnant person preparing for birth and labor, uh, during, all the way through, post-birth, and after, and just providing emotional support, um, physical support, which is really important, and educational support they need it. And that means, you know, if they have questions about something, especially for folks who give birth in the hospital, they might get a lot of kind of uh, terminology or jargon thrown at them and mm-hmm. or a lot of overwhelming information. And so we're there to, you know, help them find that information, offer them kind of some of the resources we have, talk with them through their options for birth. And mainly we're called upon by folks who want to have a natural birth, um, meaning that they don't want any intervention. Um, in the hospital. That's like they don't want to have pain medication or anything like that. And then for home birth, when we're doulas in the home, um, for home births, we're really pouring them in in the same way, physical, emotional. And also some folks ask, like, why do I need a doula if, you know, I have a midwife at home or a partera at home? And because we're there kind of for the long, like throughout the whole labor, that can be, you know, sometimes it can be a little long. So we provide support there. And I think another distinction that we like to make is that we support the whole family. Yeah. You know, we're there for the pregnant person, right? But we, if there's a partner or some kind of family support that's there, we're also there to help them kind of emotionally, physically sometimes, making sure that they eat also, making sure that they're also well-rested so that they can support their family member. And really the idea is to this practice of being a doula or a birth worker is something that was always part of our communities, mm-hmm. you know. And so the way that my birth partner, my doula sister, and I approach it is making sure that we kind of integrate the family a lot more as, like, active roles mm-hmm. in during the birth, whether it's a hospital or, or the home. Thank you. So the mm-hmm. common word I heard is support, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Support, support, support. And that's something that we don't get to hear a lot, those of us that have gone some care through the hospital experience, right? Um, and you're really, like, defining support all the way through, right? I heard physical support, emotional support, spiritual support, mental support, like, all of that combined, right? And and I feel like that's really what sets us apart from the experience that folks face in the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times our OBGYNs come in and it doesn't really think about the full spectrum of what it means to be a birthing person and Mm -hmm. what you're experiencing on all aspects, right? Mm -hmm. Andrea, you want to add something? Well, yeah, just to jump off that, a lot of times the way that I find clients, I think this is how you and I met each other, a woman will go to her care provider and leave that prenatal appointment, you know, from a doctor and just feel like this is not right. There's got to be a better way. This doesn't feel good to me. And there's a loud intuition, you know, knocking on the door like something's got to change to get, you know, yourself feeling how you want to feel during your pregnancy, birth and postpartum. And then so women tend to like start looking, Googling, you know, other alternative birth options or partera or home birth. And then then they start to find different ways that that they could birth in a more empowered way. 
Yeah, no, thank you for sharing that because that definitely was my personal experience. And I felt like after going through the hospital with my insurance provider, I was able to walk away feeling like there needs to be something else, like you said. And for me, one of the things that I experienced is that when I started Googling, it was really hard to find women that looked like me. Mm-hmm. It was really hard. And this was a few years back. Um, it was not the first thing that pops up on Google. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why it's even more important for us to think about our parteras and mm-hmm. highlight like birth workers of color that we mm-hmm. exist, yeah. that we've been here for a very long time, right? We mm-hmm. might not yeah. be the ones that have, you know, our websites all up, although mm-hmm. some of us do, which is awesome, right? But the thing is that it's something that is growing. Mm-hmm. And so just a tip for those of you mm-hmm. out there who are expecting or, you know, know someone that's carrying a child, that there are birth workers of color out there, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we're speaking to some of them here today, and we hope to continue to speak mm-hmm. to more in the future segments. For this reason, I in my practice, I only work with clients of color and queer clients because I know that there's not a lot of birth workers of color out there, and our communities need this. And so I want them to have the all the benefits that home birth can offer and save a place for them. Andrea, mm-hmm. remind us, what's the name of your practice again? Partera Medwifery. Partera Medwifery. So thank you. So maybe let, let's talk a little bit about just taking that question a little deeper and thinking about what does it mean to do the work you do, to live that passion, that calling, right, of doing the work of parteras tradicionales and doulas tradicionales, right, in this day and age, mm-hmm. right, with the context of just a huge attack on women's bodies and pregnant folks' bodies and minds and et cetera, like what does it mean to do the work mm-hmm. um, right now? Mm-hmm. Well, something that's different than my grandma's time is that we're licensed by the state and we go through, there's a whole you know, education and certification that needs to happen to be able to work as a midwife in California and all around the country. Yeah, so we, our appointments are one hour long and we cover everything that OB would cover during their prenatal appointment. So we check for preeclampsia, diabetes, gestation, you know, that the baby's growing appropriately for the amount of weeks they are. And then as part of that, we do education. So we do about 45 minutes of like prep to get them ready for the birth. So there's the prenatal piece. And then at the birth, we just take three clients a month. So we have so much time to spend with each birthing person at their birth. Sometimes we're at their house for three days and that's just totally okay with us. So we have a lot of patience and a lot of time. So we go to their home and we set up all our emergency equipment. We cover it up so the woman doesn't have to see. We monitor the baby to make sure the baby's enjoying labor, doing tolerating labor well. And the woman chooses or the birthing person chooses whatever position they want to be in, what, how they move around their home. They're free to have food and drink. And we keep the environment, you know, very calm and peaceful, lights dim, only people that she knows and wants in the setting. We just offer her support and it's my job to, you know, if there's any emergency or the labor goes off into a different direction, then help it get back on track or, you know, take care of an emergency situation. That's my job. And then we care for her postpartum for six weeks, which is in a big contrast to uh, what OBs, I think they have an appointment a few days after the birth and then that's it. So we care for them. We know that there's all these emotional things and their bodies healing. We just and also with the baby, we do baby care after. I think it's a lot what it was like my job, what I what my grandma used to do. Um, but now it comes with a lot more like protocols and licensure and stuff like that. 
For those of you just tuning in, we are speaking to Andrea Ruizquez and Angela Aguilar, who are two of our birth workers and parteras who are here in the Bay Area who are serving folks of color, queer folks, really around taking back a birth. So we just finished hearing for Andrea a little bit more about what uh, her practice, which is uh, oaklandpartera.com. You can look her up. And part of that work is around thinking about unpacking what does it mean to support people through the partera model, which which what I'm hearing is really around supporting and educating women and getting them ready so that they are felt held during their birthing experience. And so now, Angela, if you can tell us a little bit more about uh, what does it mean to be a doula in this day and age and maybe talk a little bit more about your practice. Yeah. Well, you know, I think back to, I had a conversation with Patricia Gonzalez who wrote the book Red Medicine. And she told me, and this was probably about five years ago, she said, in 10 years, birth is not going to look the same anymore. Things are going to change. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> and I feel like it's because of this resurgence, you know, of traditional practices, because we know that the systems in place are not working for everyone. Uh, they don't work for black folks. They don't work for brown folks the way that, that post-1965, you know, Civil Rights Act, supposedly they were supposed to work. And so we can't wait for the institutions to change. We can't wait for people to come and, and save us and care about us and our bodies and our babies. Um, and that, that, can, that drives, like, the work that I do is I, I, I remember in those days when I'm really tired, you know, like, it's for our whole community. It's for the future and the survival of, of, our, of our ways, of our languages, of our people. And also, you know, it's a really healing process for a community to be part of birth. Birth and death, I always tell folks, is the two things that have been taken away from us as this mystery. And it should remain a mystery in some way, right? But we don't see either. And I think for a pregnant person to really feel like they're seen, even if they're not in the, you know, in the room, and I don't mean visually, <laughs> like so, there's a whole communities in the room watching, you know, while the baby's <laughs> being born. I mean, like, you know, seen and cared for mm-hmm. as like a really important part of the community you're bringing in the future. Mm-hmm. Um and for the community to like also understand that each one of us has a role, again, that kind of drives this work that I do and that the community of birth workers that I met in, you know, in the last five or six years here in the Bay. Uh, when I first became a doula, so I've been a doula now for um, eight years. And when I first became a doula, I didn't know any like Chicana doula. I was looking for Chicana doulas in the Bay. Like there's, I didn't. There was none. And you like one, um, and she was hella busy, you know. <laughs> and now we're eight years later, and there's this, like, amazing birth collective that you're a mm-hmm. part of. Um, all of these birth workers of color are being trained, and I feel like we're all on the same wavelength, right? We know that it's our responsibility to take care of our community. And we're not counting on the hospital to do it. You know, and if it happens there, great. We're not trying to not make it happen there. (laughs) Um, But we also know that this is something that we have to do for ourselves. And so I I think back to what Patricia once said, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. (laughs) It's it's changing, and 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 it's great, and it's part of this kind of healing process for our community. And also the other thing that I that really drives the work is 
is this idea of having like autonomy over our bodies against you asked the question about women's health and pregnant people's health or reproducing people's health. I just feel like being able to reclaim birth and see birth differently really speaks to the way that we know our body, that we know our health, um, and that we can transmit that knowledge to the generations that come. You know, really being in touch with um, this process of making and birthing a baby and sharing that experience in the community openly, not as something that's like you go, you do in the hospital, you come out with the baby, and then nobody talks about it anymore. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But as like this really long process, you know. Yeah, I mean, thank you for sharing that. I think I think what I'm getting, what I'm hearing is is really about like just honoring our bodies, honoring that time in our lives, right, and healing. Right. Mm-hmm. Healing. We know that as brown folks, we have a lot of trauma that we have to work on and it's generational. Right. And so I think even this idea of like taking back birth is something that I think this generation or this time and age, we are really stepping up and trying to have those hard conversations with our own families. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I know for me that that's kind of how it was when I told my mom. ¿Sabes qué, mami? Um, se me hace que quiero tener mi baby en la casa. <laughs> y me dijo, ¿qué? <laughs> you know, and it's like, seems something so foreign, mm-hmm. yet it was only a generation ago. And I'm like, wait, weren't you born at home? You know? <laughs> um, but, you know, we're living in different contexts. And honestly, like, a home birth is really, um, I think, for for folks when that, you know, that are like maybe in Mexico, for example, at least that was the, that's my experience is they think about home birth is considered something for poor folks. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have an option. You can't afford the hospital birth. So you have to birth at home. When in reality, we're seeing that having babies at home increases birth outcomes, health birth outcomes, positive birth health birth outcomes right Mm -hmm. and maternal health outcomes Mm -hmm. but i also want to just share that along that note like something you said angela is that if even if it's not at home if it's in the hospital that's okay like we as -hmm. birth workers want to be there for you to help hold you hold space for you get the information that you need get the support that you need so that you can be in the best place possible so that you can be in your zone and birth naturally if that Mm -hmm. it's what you wish Mm -hmm. right so i want to thank you both for just sharing that uh, with our listeners and really i feel like What's coming up is is really unpacking a little bit more about what are some of those birth outcomes, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm saying them out loud, but I think it's important for us to think about, Andrea, in, in your practice with over 700 babies birth delivered and all your years of experience and working with women on the border. What are some of the benefits that you've been able to see over the years in, in women maybe just or, or birthing folks just in that time period mm-hmm. and just maybe while you connect with them post not only do we have way fewer C-section, people end up needing a C-section, like less interventions. So that's like less people checking your cervix, less people, you know, unneeded IVs, things like that. Just less interventions that really shape the woman's experience or the birthing person's experience. And just something I want to say is that a woman never forgets how she was made to feel at the time of her birth. She will carry that with her forever. Recently, I was visiting an elder and still recalling her birth. And she remembered it and how she was made to feel, and she remembered it being traumatizing, you know. And 
those experiences that, that she experiences, her partner experiences, the baby is also having their own important experience. So when we let a person birth in an uninterrupted, supported way, they end up feeling empowered. And that it, it totally changes how they parent their children, how they view their pregnant bodies and bodies and view their children. Everything. The bond is never interrupted after the birth. No one takes their baby away from them. Just everything is so intact. And you can see, like, as a birth worker from the outside, as a midwife, seeing that, you can see how everything, that's how nature intended it to be. A woman, a birthing person, is meant to be supported and loved and encouraged, and she's meant to feel that way after her birth, to feel empowered, not to be traumatized. Mm -hmm. Or just consent is healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for bringing up consent as well. I feel like that's mm-hmm. that's huge. And it's also something huge in in hospital births. Right. And mm-hmm. I think doulas get to get to see a little bit more of that those that are working in the hospital. So maybe Angela, you can touch a little bit about what are some of those benefits that you're seeing and and maybe talk a little bit about consent, because I feel like that's that's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. My personal experience as a survivor of sexual violence and childhood sexual abuse I, f- I, f- I know that the f- the birth in the hospital was uh, kind of that opening for me to really address that because I didn't you know years of trying to not address it the trauma of that um, I know that that hospital birth because of folks not asking you know I, d- I didn't know it in my head but my body knew something was not okay about people not asking when they, you know to when they come in you know not not asking me directly and it, and again i feel like my experience was like chill compared to what i've seen and i've seen some some really violent bursts actually because and i mean violent in the way that you don't know this person who's laying there this doctor i mean these doctors are these Healthcare providers don't know this person's experience, and to just go up and touch someone, come up behind someone, turn the lights on right away, you know, not ask permission when you're checking someone's cervix, you know, putting your hand on somebody without asking permission when they're in this really, you know, vulnerable and also, you know, my head, like magical place, you mm-hmm. know. It, it kind of brings you back to, you know, the way that trauma works. It kind of like time traveling, you know, it brings you back to the moment. And so from my own experience, I know that the hospital birth really opened that up for me. And not in a good way, you know, I, I feel like it was re-traumatizing. And so all of the years of working through and recognizing that I that I had to to deal with that, to work through that. The home birth kind of saved that for me. The experience of having a partera who always asked permission, always told me, explained to me what was going on. I recognized in my my trauma that that was what all of my control, everything that I wanted in that first birth, that didn't necessarily happen the way that I wanted it to. I was able to get that and it was very liberating. You know, and so a lot of the work that I do now, and I'm particularly focused on working with survivors or folks who are trying to really kind of work through any kind of sexual, either sexual violence or some kind of, whether it was their own or intergenerational, because a lot of our families have uh, histories of sexual violence that's not addressed. And so I feel like that can come up too for folks. And and so I've dedicated my practice to working specifically with folks around that and around what 
it means to for somebody to ask permission and how liberating and how freeing that can be to actually see what that is like in practice by someone who is in a perceived position of authority, right? Because that's kind of how we see our care providers. And, and it does even that much more damage when somebody in a position of authority is the one to not ask permission. And so I, I really think that this way of approaching birth is social change mm-hmm. because of that. We are consenting. We, that is like the one of the foundations of the practice of parterismo, of, of birth workers, mm-hmm. and especially for women of color mm-hmm. um, who, you know, in society, we've been taught, all of us, it's internalized that our bodies are kind of expendable or disposable or we don't need to ask consent. They want it, you know, that kind of thing. And so even more so, we're really vigilant about ensuring that for the, the folks that we work with. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Okay, and we are going to take a quick break, and then we will return to talking to Angela and Andrea a little bit more about home birth and um, how do we take our, our birth back. <laughs>
are back here in the studio with Angela Aguilar and Andrea Ruizquez, who were talking about birth work and what does it mean to be birth workers here in the Bay and how do we talk about birth justice. So, Angela, we... Thank you so much. You just finished telling us such a deep story about, you know, just your experience and how when we talk about birth, we're really talking about addressing trauma and really talking about healing. And I just want to name that that is I love the word you use liberating. And it's so amazing to be able to be here to live to tell it. Mm -hmm. Right. Because not not everyone has that opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, and I think what we're trying to really unpack here is how do we make this accessible to everyone? How can mm -hmm. everyone really talk about that? How can we create space for birthing folks to, to, to yeah. get prepared, to not get re-traumatized during their birth? Mm -hmm. um, so maybe just tell us really briefly, like, what's the name of your practice mm -hmm. um, so folks know? Yes, this is uh, Nueva Luz um, Birth and Family Care. And so my doula partner is Alejandra Olguin. Shout out. And we, you know, we initially, we decided on the name when we were on a retreat with our maestra in Mexico. It was our maestra of curanderismo. And we were talking and, you know, we were talking about our practice, you know, doing limpias. And, and we were just kind of juxtaposing it with birth, you know, and like how is so similar when people release during Olympia and the way a baby's born, like the the, the physiological trajectory of, of both are very similar. There's this like resistance and then this like kind of shaking and, and maybe some throwing up and, you know, and then the crying um, and the joy, you know, or, or whatever pain. Sometimes it's pain, you know, sometimes it's You know, it's different because births look different, but they were very parallel in this, like, physiological process. And so what we do is we incorporate th these traditions that we, we learn and practice, curanderismo, the, the body work, understanding the way that kind of trauma and, and um, experience stays in our body. I guess it's understood as, um, like, somatic. You know, a lot of people talk about, like, somatic healing now, and, and it's very similar to what folks, not just in Mexican indigenous tradition, but this is, like, a global thing in indigenous um, ways of healing. And so we, we incorporate curanderismo into our practice, and that's in preparing for birth, preparing the family, and then post-birth, doing ceremony, and so really treating birth as a ceremony that it is foundation of our, of our practice. Thank you. And mm -hmm. how can we find out more about you and your work? So we don't have a website <laughs> um, yet. We, we always joke around. We're like, yeah, our website's like five years in the making because we actually, we kind of practice like word of mouth and it's been kind of worked out fine. Uh, but we do have an Instagram page and it's um, at la, la da curandula. That's the Instagram. <laughs> so I can spell it. It's L A dot C U R A N D O U L A. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And so now um, I just want to get at this question around, I think a lot of folks that are listening are, are hopefully starting to really understand and unpack a little bit about the difference between parteras and our doulas and birth workers. And so I wanted to give folks just like a visualization of like, what does it look like to have a birth in a hospital setting and versus at home? And for those of you that have only experienced hospital births, this would be particularly helpful for you as well. So I can talk about the the hospital birth and and I'll and I'll just walk it through as as if I'm going to see a client who's decided to give birth 
at a hospital. Um, so again, my work as a doula is to support when the person calls me. Um, so either the person, the partner, whoever it is that they've chosen as like their main kind of family support person, um, you know, they'll start feeling the sensations that maybe baby's on its way and they'll give me a call and I'll come over when they want me to. And, you know, when I walk into to a birth and, and a lot of times, so with the doula, I guess the, the statistics, I don't know what the numbers are, right? But they tend to birth at labor at home longer if you have a doula. So you don't go to the hospital. Um, pregnant folks don't usually go to the hospital right away. They usually go like right when they're ready to birth. Um, and so a lot of the laboring, a lot of the sensations, whatever we call it, contractions, they're having at home. And I'm there to support. And so a lot of things, one of the things that stands out is when I walk in to a birth or when a person is birthing, we try to kind of make the space so that this person is like the focus, so that this person feels like the sun, you know, <laughs> like the center of of the universe that's happening there in, in the home. We you know, make sure that everything that they need is, is there for them, that we're doing what they ask, you know, or we're just quiet. <laughs> we don't say anything. A lot of times um, the idea is that they are, they're the light, you know, they are the power. It's hard to describe in words if you can just imagine the sun. Um, <laughs> and we're kind of just the little planets floating around, uh, getting some water, getting food, bringing it, bringing it to them. And when the person is ready, and sometimes they'll tell us or we'll, sometimes people will say, like, I want to go to the hospital now. And so we have an agreement, like, how many times do you want to say that before we actually go? Okay, three times. On the third time, vamos, you know, like, mm -hmm. let's go. The way that we work in our practice is to, at the home, we're really creating and holding the space of birth as a ceremony. And, you know, part of what Andrea talked about earlier um, of, of like the home birth being an un uninterrupted birth. But we can't completely mimic that, right? Because we are getting in a vehicle or whatever and going to a hospital and having to deal with hospital staff. But we want to, in some way, mimic that un uninterrupted birth process. And so the space that we create in the home as the birth, as a ceremony, we carry that energy, you know, as a support people to the hospital, reminding the pregnant person, hey, you know, like, we got you. You keep doing your thing. People are going to be talking to you, and this is what we prepared them for before. People are going to be asking you questions. They're going to want you to sign things. They're going to ask you to put needles in and all of these things. We got you. We're holding this. So remember, we try to bring that feeling of birthing in the home into the hospital. Of course, it's not going to look the same. <laughs> Again, because you got machines, you have bright lights. It's a hospital, folks. Y'all know what that looks like. You know, it's like white walls and like people in uniform. So, you know, ideally, it's not it's not as pretty as being in the home where you got your flowers and you have your gopal burning or your incense or your sage and your music playing and you're getting to eat the food you want. Once you get to the hospital, you know, for the most part, it's kind of what they say, <laughs> the rules of the institution. And um, while there are some pregnant folks can, like, refuse some things, like refuse, you know, some pain medication, they can refuse... Certain things are things that they cannot, you know, and it's going against medical advice. Maybe somebody else can talk about that. Mm -hmm. uh, so essentially get to the hospital. You're in a room and we're all in a room together. And as much as possible, we really try to make it comfortable for the person in labor, just making sure that we can get them up 
walking around. I feel like my role has been as a doula to really listen to what the doctors and the nurses are saying to each other because a lot of times they like to not talk to the person in labor. <laughs> a lot of times they just talk to each other. And so that's kind of part of my role in addition to assisting the pregnant person and their partner. And yeah, and I, I'll stay there at the hospital until a couple of hours after the baby's born. If they decide that they're going to process their placenta, I ensure that that is something that we, I get. Usually I'll take it. Also, as a doula at the hospital, we make sure that if there's a birth plan, maybe we could talk. That's probably a whole other show. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's going to be a whole other show. Right? Yes. We'll make sure that, that the birth plan or the wishes for the birth or the really like the demands for, for my birth are at least adhered to or that they know, you know, at least we, you can't say we didn't tell you that this is what they wanted. I didn't want pain medication. I don't want my baby to be circumcised. These kinds of things are in the birth plan. And so as a doula, it's also our part of our role to facilitate that um, with the healthcare providers and always just praying, you know, like we hold that prayer and we pray that we're going to have like amazing, you know, healthcare providers who are just going to stand back and be like, y'all do what you got to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is rare. Did I give you a pretty good picture yes. of what a hospital birth probably I, looks I like? I think folks got a little <laughs> bit of a visual, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, I think um, some of the things you talked about, we definitely want to go deeper on, right? So for those of you that are listening, please know that we will be having a full segment. So we will continue this. It will be a series of segments to really go and unpack what are all those benefits, what are all those big questions that we get asked in our birth plan, and then really what are all the things that, what does it really look to have a a birth at home, right? We'll be unpacking that at our next one. But for those of you that are listening now, we want to leave you with, a little, a little nugget of support, which is now that you know all the some of the beautiful things of what it means to have someone be there and support you from our birth workers that are doulas, or if you choose to have a birth at home, I think the next big question is like, well, how do I do that, right? How do I access a, a partera? How do I access a doula? And is this even something that I can afford? I think is another big question. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you all as our closing question, like, how are are you in your practice really making this accessible to low-income folks and, and people of color that are really trying to work birth back? Something important that people need to know is that midwives are just people in your community that really believe and are passionate about all the benefits of home birth, so they want to make it accessible. Uh, all the midwives that I know, white midwives also, they offer sliding scale prices, um, so they work with the client on what they can afford, and we accept payment plans. So I have clients, their their baby is a year old, and they're still sending me $200 a month as just like one of their bills and to pay off their birth. Um, another way that I've seen a lot of my clients make my service successful or, you know, affordable is that at their baby shower, they'll have like a little GoFundMe, and people from their community um, we'll start, you know, donating money and they can pay a big chunk of their the price of their home birth at that time. And also it's a really good way of getting community members, family members to understand, oh, wait, home birth is important because of what? And I oh, would support their, you know, their family member. 
Thank you for sharing that. That's such a great one. And especially as we think about um, now, there's these whole things called gender unfeelings, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's a perfect time, right? If you want to give something that is not just for the baby or not, you know, that's really thinking about the family, that is an awesome idea. So those of you that are listening and are going to be supporting going to a baby shower or a gender unveiling, there's a tip. So mm -hmm. thank you. Mm -hmm. um, did you want to add something, Angela? Is there something else that you all do to support low income or folks of color to access this? You know, we follow the the, the midwives on that. You know, we, <laughs> we do very similar work in terms of sliding scale. Um, and also, I just want to I just want to add that one of the things that actually Sum Sumaya Franklin, who is um, Andrea's uh, apprentice, told me when I was deciding to home birth my daughter, my youngest baby, you know, my concern was, was the money, you know, like, oh, I have insurance. All right. You know, and she was like, look, just put it out there. People will show up for you. You'll, you'll get the support you need financially, mm -hmm. whatever. Right. And I just thought like, that's actually right. My work is to bring this work back to the community. I have to support it by just putting the mm -hmm. ask out there and making it something that is normal. You know, um, and I think doing the GoFundMe or doing an ask at a baby shower is part of the process of bringing birth back to the community again. Like how as a community member, can I help you? You know, a lot of folks think like, oh, and a baby's born. I'm going to uh, come and hold the baby for the mom or whatever. Right. Which, you know, sometimes. But no, mm -hmm. we need like <laughs> financial support. Bring me some groceries, you know, help out the local <laughs> yeah. midwife, you know, kick her down some some fun so that I can have my birth at home. Um, and so I think it's all part of the process, even this like, different economic system that, mm -hmm. we're, that we're building by doing sliding scale, mm -hmm. by doing trade, by doing, you know, this kind of GoFundMe. And a lot thing. of people think, oh, I have insurance or my birth to the hospital would be free. But I, I think not everything that's free is something that you want. Right. And this is going to yes. affect your baby, your bond between you and your baby your whole life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you for sharing that to both of you and to the little ones here in the space, in the studio. <laughs> we have Feliciano. We have Nelitzin. They're joining us also. You'll be hearing them in the background. And I just want to say, you know, to our listeners, just thinking really around this term, around social justice and bringing justice to our communities. This is where it starts. It starts with, with our birth. It starts even before birth and conception. And really, how do we um, really relearn all of that so in our future segments we definitely we should be unpacking a little bit more about mm -hmm. that right like what mm -hmm. does it mean for our abuelitos and our tios and our tias and primos everyone like what does it mean to show up and that might mean you know i know you want to hold the baby but l let's talk about what that means for the for the parenting folks that are um just recent right what does that mean for them to bond with their baby so we'll be talking a little bit more about that and i just want to thank the two of you special special shout out to you Andrea as our partera um, mm -hmm. holding it down for so many years and so happy you got you know you get to come to Oakland and you got <laughs> to engage with all of us here mm -hmm. in the studio and just in our lives thank you for everything that you do for following your calling um, we're honoring parteras every day we're honoring our birth workers every day it is not just in the month of May so I just want to um, send y'all love and, thank and you, if you can thank you. please just tell us again what's the um, your website how do we follow you mm -hmm. or you know what's your name or how do we find you if you're <laughs> underground where do you live <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> but let us know mm -hmm. yeah so my website is uh, Partera Midwifery and yeah you can there's a contact page just 
email me and we'll start talking. We'll set up an interview. We can get all your questions answered and talk and yeah, go from there. And that's oaklandpartera.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and um, so our practice is Nueva Luz, um, and you can find us on Instagram at la.curandula. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, well, thank you so much, and that's it for today. Una hoja en blanco Es lo que necesito Donde la ansiedad y la apatía se oculta. Donde la ansiedad y la impaciencia se refugia. Donde la ansiedad y la impaciencia se refugia. Aliviando mis pesares va la hoja de papel Convirtiéndose en aliada De los asuntos de la Ligerita quiero ser Ligerita quiero ser Así de blanca Como una hoja de papel Así de blanca Yo te pido Donde la soledad Y el corazón se junten Donde la soledad Y la conciencia se dibuje Donde la soledad Conciencia se dibuje Aliviando mis pesares va la hoja de papel Convirtiéndose en aliada De los asuntos de la Ligerita quiero ser Ligerita quiero ser Así de blanca
The following are upcoming calendar announcements for Cronicas de la Raza, La Raza Chronicles here on KPFA Radio. On September 6th, the Roots of Labor Birth Collective, Doulas and Communities, hosts its a video short to launch Everyone Deserves a Doula campaign. This will be an important event to find out more about the topic that we focused our whole show on. And that event, again, is the Everyone Deserves a Doula launch party. And it will be Thursday, September 6th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Citizen Engagement Laboratory. That's 1330 Broadway, third floor in Oakland, California. You can find the Roots of Labor Birth Collective online to find out more information. On September 8th, Rise for Climate, Jobs, and Justice will be doing a global day of action to push leaders to limit fossil fuels and a just and fair transition to 100% renewable energy. This will be on September 8th, and that will be um, at Embarcadero in San Francisco. You can find out more by texting RISE CA to 83224. So just text the words RISE CA to 83224. We also want to shout out the Latino Film Festival, which is around the corner. And we also want to give love to the Richmond Arts Center, which is presenting Califas, Art of the U.S.-Mexico Borderlands, Artes, El Arte de la Zona Fronteriza, México-Estados Unidos. The exhibition will fe feature 21 contemporary artists and collaborative groups, Borderlands in Contemporary Arts, with special emphasis in the Bay Area. This is at the Richmond Arts Center, September 11th through September 16th. Visit the Richmond Arts Center for more information. There's been a calendar of events. If you have any events that you think we should highlight or interviews you think we should do, please email or call us. You please email us at lajasachronicles at kpfa.org. You can also like us on Facebook to find out about more events. And you can share this program with a friend or download it or share it on iTunes, Stitcher, however you listen to your podcast by finding us online at Chronicles. That's soundcloud.com slash Chronicles or Stitcher, iTunes, or anything else searching for Lajasa Chronicles. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros y buenas noches.